my brothers and sisters in Christ, on this beautiful day the Lord has given to us again to live for Him, it is good to stop and reflect deeply on the question about how many are to be saved. How many will be saved? Notice Jesus did not just respond to that question, but he rather changed the subject and began to dwell on what it takes to even go into the kingdom, what the kingdom of God looks like. It's not about how many people are going to be there. The church does not tell us how many are in heaven or in hell, but the church continues to show us the path to the kingdom and what it means by showing us the path is to be able to submit oneself as a child of the Father, the child of the Heavenly Father. As children, my brothers and sisters in Christ, our duty, our responsibility is to allow ourselves to be guided by the one who has called us, the one who has brought us into existence. So that's why we see that even in the second reading, it is being stated clearly that the discipline of the Father is supposed to be meant for us, for our own good. If our earthly parents have the right to discipline us, and sometimes we see it as sometimes things that are not really good, it's not joyful, but afterwards we begin to see that what they were trying to do to us, how they were trying to guide us, was for our own good. Today, many of us, all of us seated here, have benefited in one way or the other from our parents' guidance or corrections or discipline. Without that, we would not be seated here today. So how come, look, at, just imagine God, who created us and knows us very well. He always thinks about us even when we do not think he is having us in mind. The British writer C.S. Lewis, Clive Steeple Lewis, once gave an analogy about how God leads us, how God works with us. And he says, imagine yourself as a living house. God comes into that house and begins to set up things aright. We know that the, the roofs need to be walked on. We know the drains have to be cleared. 
But recently, he begins to knock the door, the houses, the walls, in such a way that it hurts abominably that we don't really understand what's going on. We begin to imagine, what is he up to? At some point, we begin to think, maybe he just wants to, you know, make us into a little beautiful, decent cottage. But that's not what he's trying to do. He wants to make of us a palace, a place befitting his presence, because he wants to dwell there. That's what it means, my brothers and sisters, to allow ourselves to be molded into that which the Lord wants us to be. Not just thinking, well, I'm just comfortable to where I am. But rather, say, Lord, do to me whatever you will. Because it seems that the gospel today is really targeting that particular phrase. Do to me what seems well and right to you. The people of God, the chosen people, the Israelites, many of them, they understood the law very well. The Pharisees and the scribes, everybody knew the law by heart. But how come our Lord is saying, enter into the narrow gate because few will only be those that will be able to locate that narrow gate. Enter into the narrow gate. Don't think that, well, because Jesus came from my own heritage or descendants or whatever, that I have the right to enter first. He says, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, but I was there with you. I dined with you. I was there when you did the miracles. But at the end of it, he will say to them, I do not know you. Someone once said that the fact that I was baptized into the Catholic Church means that I have been given a great responsibility, a tremendous responsibility. What I do with it is what matters. What I do with it is what matters. Because many will always be looking out for the wider gates, but the few are always the ones that want to go through the narrow gate. What I do with that responsibility that I've received from the Lord is what matters. It's not about, yes, I'm baptized a Catholic, then ends the story, I'm going to heaven. But Jesus is saying to us, we have been given much, much will be expected there will be a time of reckoning. There will be a time of an accounting. We, we will have to lay down what we have received. Stewardship. 
So, brothers and sisters in Christ, what does this call us into? Not to live in fear, but to live in love. To live in love with each other. To live in love with the one who has invited us to the table of his banquet. Many are called, but few are chosen. That doesn't mean that the Lord just wants a few people to go into the kingdom. It might even seem contradictory because he says in the first reading that many will come from the east. But that's not contradiction because as St. Augustine would put it, that yes, many will come, but when we compare them with the slain, that would be very few people. When we compare those many, which we are hearing today, with those that have decided to go through suffering and pain, suffering is the golden door to sanctity, to holiness. There are many in the world today who do not believe that sometimes the Lord the only way he enters into our hearts is to break those hearts before he could get in. There are many who don't believe that. But it's because he loves us so much that he really wants to come in and dwell in that palace of our heart. Archbishop Fulton Sheen was the one who did say that those broken things it's treasurable to the sight of the Lord. It's beautiful. Take a minute and think about this. The Eucharist, the bread which we will break, is a source of our life. Without being broken, we cannot share it in love. Take a minute and think about the incense that we sometimes use at Mass. It's broken in order for it to be lit and bring forth beautiful smells in our own worship. We also think about the boat, the broken boat that St. Paul and the rest used when they were heading to Rome. That saved their life. The only way that God sometimes gets into our hearts is to be able to break them so that he will get in. Without that, sometimes it's difficult. So that's what it means when we say we have to humble ourselves and allow him to break us, melt us, and mold us, and fill us so that we become instrument of his own manifold Glory. Without that, we will not be able to enter into the narrow gate. The narrow gate is for those who are like children. They say, Yes, he's my father. He is looking for he's looking out for me. He knows best. He understands me more than I do. 
He's my father. But those who do not believe that will always say, well, I don't care about it. I don't want all this suffering. I don't want any pain. I don't care. What do you mean offering it up? Or things like that. Those are the people that want to go into the wider gate, not the narrow one. There are too many people in the, that goes towards the wider gate. But in one of the Gospels, in Matthew, our Lord reminded us that that leads to destruction. But the narrow gate leads to life. So we pray at this Mass, my brothers and sisters in Christ, that he may give us the grace to be able to recognize that narrow gate which he's referring to, so that we will be able to recognize where he really wants us to be, so that we will be alert at all time, so that we will be ready, be awake, so that when he comes, he will not find us wanting, so that when the time comes, we will not be standing outside the door and, and screaming that, Oh, Lord, I, I heard you do miracles. I, I was there with you. But rather, we will come inside rejoicing because we saw him as our Heavenly Father and we, the children. So may the Lord continue to rekindle in us that love in our heart so that we will continue to humble ourselves and go through the narrow gate. I believe in one God. Greater heaven and earth and all things visible and invisible. I believe in one Lord Jesus Christ, only begotten Lord from God, righteous Lord. Begotten. 